bit about my family. Let me tell you something else about them. They are obsessed. My family has an obsession with home improvement shows. I mean, do you have the same? It might stem from a garden project that my parents uh, did last summer. But they enjoy watching the TV shows uh, Garden Rescue or their favourite, Escape to the Chateau. Has anyone ever seen that one before? Uh, basically, these shows, they, they work. Uh, their appeal is by showing the equivalent of a tip, of a, a dump, and then promising to change it into something spectacular by the end. You're meant to be thinking as you watch, how on earth is that going to happen? Then voila, about an hour later, it has. What seemed like an impossible task is now seen as an amazing feat. And one of the big points that those shows have is they present the presenter as a genius. I mean, normally they start off a little bit kooky. They wear the flamboyant shirts and the other things like that. They're a bit out there. Are you sure that he's going to be able to orchestrate that? But as the show finishes, you have the evidence. You have the proof that yes, they can. And perhaps, just perhaps, you're going to pick up that phone and try and sign up for the next season. Now, we've been hearing about God's great comforting message to his people. Isaiah has been writing, looking to the future. Looking to the future, telling Israel they're about to go into exile, but that they're going to come out again. And as we saw last week, God was doing that to demonstrate that he, and he alone, is where true strength can be found. By announcing this in advance, God is demonstrating that he, And he alone is the one true God. Or you could say, as Joel said in the first few talks, he was showing the godness of God. But how? How is God going to keep his word? That is the question that Isaiah is going to turn to now. How is God going to keep his word? What is the evidence? Well, like those home improvement shows, the final design has been submitted. And now the final details are being worked out. So what we have here, starting in chapter 42, is a pencil sketch. A pencil sketch that Isaiah is going to begin to fill in for us. Now, if you remember last week, we were in the courtroom. The idols, they just had their chance to present their case, to set forth their case. God has let them go first, but they had nothing to say. They were nothing. They were all a delusion. But now God is going to set forth his case. And here in Isaiah 42, we have the presentation of the evidence. God starts by pointing all the eyes in the room to his primary evidence. He says, verse 1, Behold, look, see, focus your attention onto this. Verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. God's plan to bring comfort to his people is going to come through this servant. God is going to keep his word and his servant is going to be how he does it. Or you could say, God is going to show who he is through this servant. Have a look down at verses 8 and 9 at the end of our passage. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass. And new things are now declared. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. What's going to happen with this servant 
is going to show God to be the one true God. It's going to give God all of the glory. It's going to show God's godness. But who is this servant? Who is this figure who's appeared on the scene? Well, we've started to see in Isaiah 41, we've seen a servant. Have a look back. Isaiah 41, verses 8 and 9. This is what it said last week. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you who I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Do you remember the last time we saw this servant language was last Thursday in Isaiah 41. And there God referred to Israel as his servant twice. So somehow what happens with Israel here is going to reveal God to the world. That's the logic. And here in Isaiah 42, that is the beginning of that. We're not going to get all the details yet. You're going to have to come along for the next few weeks. It's a good plug for the rest of this series. But the pencil sketch starts to get filled in and the evidence gets presented. So how does God lay out his evidence? Well, two sensory ways. I've got a little uh, four-year-old. We're talking about sensory things with her at the moment. She uses words like sensory. I think she gets taught that at primary school. Uh, Two sensory ways, two things to do. To see with your eyes and listen with your ears. So as you work through this part of Isaiah, there's going to be things to see, evidence that can be observed, but there's also going to be an explanation, something to listen to, something that's going to explain its meaning. See, of most of life, uh, we see things and we can think that we understand them. But when someone actually explains what was going on, we really get it. If you're married, you've probably experienced that many times. So let's do that now, shall we? Uh, this lunchtime, let's see and let's hear this lunchtime. So what we meant to see, well, first thing, first thing to see is God's servant. See God's strengthened servant. Have a look down at verse one again. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. God promised that he would uphold his servant back in chapter 41. And here he does it. God puts his spirit upon this servant. And that leads to the servant bringing forth justice to the nations. One leads to the other. God equips the servant to do his job. God is giving the servant what is needed for their mission. Now to bring justice, it's to put things right. Uh, Like a parent walking into a scene, a fight between two children. There are the immediate consequences. But there's also the act of making peace between the two. The act of making sure that this thing's never going to happen again. And as we read through these next verses, through this description of the servant, we find there is a mix. There's a mix of strength and a mix of gentleness. Verse 2, this servant isn't going to be loud. He doesn't shout. He doesn't announce his power. He's unlike all the other kings at the time. Instead, he's going to be gentle. Verse 3, he won't break the bruised reed. He won't quench the faint wick. This servant is going to come alongside those who are spent, those who are at their end, and he's going to care for them. Both a bruised reed and a faint wick, they'd be very easy to destroy. In fact, it would be very hard not to destroy them. But not for this servant. This servant is like a shepherd with some sheep. And he himself doesn't grow faint or discouraged. 
Uh, That word discouraged is the same word as bruised back in verse 3. God is going to keep this servant going. He's going to keep this servant going to the end until everything is done. Until everything is done. Until you could say, it is finished. And for all of this, God is going to be keeping his word to the nations through what happens with this servant. So behold, see, look at this servant, God says. And in particular, look at what this strengthened servant is going to do. Have a look at the mission of this servant. He's going to bring forth justice to the nations. Uh, This little section, it's wrapped in that justice word. It's there in verse 1. It's there in verses 3 and 4. This servant has a mission. God has promised he's going to bring justice to the ends of the earth. He's going to bring his salvation to the ends of the earth. He's going to make himself known to the coastlands at the edge of the earth. He's going to bless the world. Back at the start of God's uh, worldwide rescue project, he promised Abraham that he would make of him a great nation. He would bless him. He would make his name great so that he would be a blessing to the world. And God is still going to keep that promise. Because when God makes a promise, God keeps that promise. Through what is going to happen with this servant, God is going to bring that all about. See, as we've said, this is just a sketch. This is the beginnings of what God is going to do. But through this servant, through Israel, in their rescue from exile, God is somehow going to reach the world. See, the actions of this servant, the actions of what God's going to do, are going to tie together everything in the Old Testament. Everything the Old Testament ever promised, everything that God has ever said, is going to come through this. So as we see this servant, as we understand what's going to happen, we're going to see who God is. Well, that's what's seen. Now let's think about what that will mean. Let's hear what that will mean. Because our second sense is called into action, verses 5 to 9. We're called to listen. To listen to the creator. What is the purpose of all this? What are we listening to? Well, look at verse 5 with me. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people in it and spirit to those who walk in it. You see, God, he is saying he is the one who strengthens. He is the one who gives his spirit. He's recalling everything he's just said in verse one. But now the purpose, as the servant achieves their mission, God is going to be shown to be the creator And if God is the creator, then God is the one true God. Do you see how that logic chain works, how that evidence works? Uh, In the law court, if God is shown to know the end from the beginning, that he is the creator, you could say. If he shows that he's in control of all things, then he has to be the one true God. So this is going to prove that. So as God keeps his word through his servant, God is going to be proven to be the one true God. The world is going to see the irrefutable evidence. And what's going to prove that? Well, God foretelling what's going to happen in the future. Remember, Isaiah is written into the future. And in particular here, this chapter adds in what is going to happen with this servant. And so we're given the purpose of the mission here. And the mission is going to be huge. In fact, this mission is going to look like another exodus. See, verses 6 and 7, they call that to mind. They're meant to remind us of the Exodus. Uh, The language here is a a collection of echoes, a collection of quotes uh, from the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. 
As God rescued his people, he set up a pattern to do that again and again into the future. Have a look down at verse 6 with me. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. If you remember the story of Exodus, or even if you don't know the story of Exodus, let me tell you, the Israelites, they were captives in Egypt. They were stuck right in the centre of the world's superpower. They were looking as if they were stuck there for life, in a dungeon forever. But then God, through his servant Moses, came and freed them. Let my people go. God revealed his name to the people, the Lord, or Yahweh. He called the people, he took them by their hand, and he gave them a covenant. And Isaiah 42 says he's going to do that again. Through this servant, God is going to bring about a new exodus. He's going to bring a new rescue. He's going to fix the problems of the world. He's going to open eyes that are blind. He's going to show people who he really is. He's going to lead the exiles out of prison. He's going to restore his people. He's going to give comfort to his people. So as we see and as we hear what that means, it's meant to give us confidence in what God is doing. We can have confidence that God truly knows the future. We can have confidence that he is truly the creator. We can be certain that God is the one true God. We can be sure that we've seen the godness of God. So as we read this on a Thursday lunchtime, we're being called to listen. Thus says the Lord. You're meant to listen to that. To listen so that we can trust God. So that we can have the comfort knowing that God is the one in complete control. So that we can find our strength in him. That is the aim here. That is the intention here. So this lunchtime, can you see God's big purpose? See, this is how he's going to be shown as God to the world. This is how he's going to bring about comfort. And this will certainly happen. As certainly as God is the creator of the world. Verse 5. He gave breath to people. So he can do it. He can bring people to life. But how does this affect us as we go back to the office? Well, that's the point in verses 8 and 9. God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. See, by declaring this in advance, God is demonstrating that he is the one true God. He is better than those idols last week. He can and he does control the future. So when we see that servant, when we see that servant turn up, we can look and we can say, yes, God did tell us what he was going to do. He did declare the new things before they sprang into being. And so we can praise God and we can trust him. We can find our comfort. We can find our strength in him. We can be sure that God does keep his words. And we can share that word with others. Like a, a presenter on a home improvement show, we can be sure that God actually does know what he's doing. As I say, this pattern's going to get played out. Uh, the next few verses, verses 10 down to 17, are a song. A song celebrating what God has done in advance. You can have a read through those uh, when you have a moment. But we're going to see this pattern get filled in. Throughout the New Testament, it's going to come up again and again. 
But in particular, you might be thinking this already, so let's go there. As we see Jesus, we can be all the more certain. I've given you Matthew 12, 15 to 21 in your handout. Let's just see how it connects as we finish. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him and healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfil what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. See, Matthew thinks Jesus fulfills this picture. So as we see Jesus in the role of Israel, we can know that God did do it. As we sit on this privileged side of history right now, we can know that God kept his word here in Isaiah. And so we can find comfort. We can find strength in God. There's much more to see as the weeks continue. But let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do know the future. You do know the end from the beginning. You are the place where we can find comfort, where we can find strength. Thank you that your word is true and we can see that in history. Thank you that we can see uh, the Lord Jesus who has taken on this role and done it perfectly. Thank you that he said it is finished. Father, we pray as we go back to work that we'd be trusting in you and sharing that great news of what you've done in history. Amen. Dave, thanks so much for coming down today and speaking for us. Uh, we have you back for one last time in a couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, so thanks again. Um, sure. Next week, we are again, just to remind you, we are having our Adventistic event. So do grab as many flyers as you would like and uh, just give it to every single one in the office. Just put it on the desk and just invite them for, uh, for the event next week. Dave, thanks very much. Um, there are questions on uh, your handout to kind of chat among the tables. Um, and just to share what has really struck you and how does this passage encourage you that God is the one true God. Well, we've come to the official end of our lunchtime. Uh, it's been great seeing you and meeting together. Uh, do stay as long as you like or head back to office if you can. Um, hope to see you in the guys next week.